a very good evening to you. Once again on a Friday evening, mid MGP, for an escape from the bikes, if not the weather necessary, with of course Sweet and Swing. My name's Howard Kane, pleasure to have your company as ever. What have we got this evening? A bit of Jack Harris and his orchestra, the wonderful Eddie Thompson with his trio, the wonderful world of Reginald Dixon. To get us going, what we all need, I think, particularly during MGP. We haven't been getting too much of it. Let's try and inspire the sunny side of the street. your coat and get your hat. Leave your worries back on the doorstep. Just direct your feet to the sunny side of the street. Oh, say, you hear that pitter-pat? That happy tune is your step. Life can be so sweet. On the sunny side of the street, I used to walk in a shed with those blues on parade. But I'm not afraid, I'm a rover who crossed over. And if I never, if I never have a cent, I'll be rich like Rockefeller. Gold dust at my feet on the sunny side of the street. Mm-hmm. 
I'll be rich like Rockefeller. Gold dust at my feet on that sunny, sunny side of the street. Yes. Wonderful stuff to get going. On the sunny side of the street. Let's hope it's sunny side wherever you are. In any case, Ted Lewis and his orchestra with Ted Lewis himself taking the vocals back in the 1930s. Not sounding... He's sounding rather worried for the sunny side of the street, doesn't he? It sounds, uh, yes, distinctly... Slightly sort of concerned and sad, if anything, rather than blissfully happy, it would have to be said on that particular recording. Uh, But... (laughs) <laughs> Quite a character, Ted Lewis, one of the first northern musicians to imitate the style of the New Orleans jazz musicians who came to New York in the 1910s and recorded in the early teens with Earl Fuller's jazz band and started out as a sort of an entertainer, singer, musician, fronted a band and touring stage show presented a combination, really, I suppose, a what do you call it, vaudeville-type show, jazz, comedy, nostalgia. Very popular, though, before and then after World War II, where he became known as Mr. Entertainment, or uh, Is Everybody Happy, was one of his catchphrases. Didn't uh, Charlie, not Charlie, Chester, who took that up afterwards? Arthur Askey? Was it someone like that? Or was it Billy Cotton? Is Everybody Happy? Sounds like someone might have had it before uh, before they did, because this is going, yes, back to the early part of the 20th century. Born in Ohio himself, not massively um, <laughs> auspicious start, I suppose. Like I said, first recorded with Old Fuller. The piccolo was his first instrument. Good instrument to know, you know, to learn if you're touring, I guess. Just stick it in your pocket. Much easier than the drums of the double bass or piano. But he also played the C melody saxophone, Uh, but known principally as a clarinetist uh, and also played the B-flat Albert system clarinet. And there's a wonderful note here saying, based on his earliest recordings, Lewis did not seem able to do much on the clarinet other than trill in its upper register. Promoting, I don't know if it's promoting this, promoting one recording, the Victor catalogue stated, the sounds as of a dog in his dying anguish are from Ted Lewis's clarinet. (laughs) I don't know. Can that be classed as promotion? Sounds more like criticism to me than promotion, but he, he got got beyond that, is all I can say, and became very popular, like I said, after the war, and did very nicely indeed. One of the great uh, featured entertainers in the 1939 Golden Gate International Exposition, pageant of the Pacific on Treasure Island. Terrific stuff. Ted Lewis on the orchestra. Uh, what have we to say we've got this evening? Yeah, we're, we're, um, we're hitting the big the big stuff. Reginald Dixon, a collection of melodious favourites in the wonderful world of Reginald Dixon on the great organ, of course, what else? And a fascinating one I've been dusting the cover, or the dust off the cover, I suppose I should say, from the jazz collection of the British Library National Sound Archive, Black British Swing. So these all-black players, when... They weren't so familiar so long before the Windrush generation coming in. We're talking about the swing era of the 30s and 40s in Britain. And there was a black British scene, some great musicians there, some well-known, like Ken Snakehips Johnson and his West Indian dance band, very popular, sadly, before Ken was tragically killed. Some perhaps not quite so well-known. The Lordric Canton Quartet, anyone? Fine player, but anyone remember? Of course not, but... 
how many of those great players have disappeared into the mists of history. Right, where should we go next? Um, tell you what, yeah, let's stay around about the 1930s. The man himself, Oliver Hardy, as I always think him of, but of course it's Paul Whiteman and his orchestra. It happened in Monterey. <laughs> in Monterey, of course. Where else would it happen? Paul Whiteman and his orchestra. Jack Fulton taking the vocals there. Um, best known, perhaps, for being a trombonist. That's how he started out, but also sang quite a bit as well with the Mason Dixon Orchestra and the George Olson Orchestra 
and then also singing there, of course, with, as we heard, Paul Whiteman. Uh, he had part of the trio that sang on the 1925 number one hit, Who? Along with Bob Rice and Fran Frey, and joined Paul in 1926 and provided the vocals for many of Paul Whiteman's recordings. Almost like that upper register, like a tenor, you, you first, at first you could be mistaken for thinking it was a woman's singing, couldn't you? Uh, and then you listen a bit more and think, no, no, it's it's a man with a higher-pitched sort of tenor voice singing in that sort of quite sort of fey type of stay, style, but suits the music, I would think. Tis Sweet and Swing, H with you through until the top of the hour. Lovely to have your company as ever on a Friday night here on Manx Radio. Maybe you're enjoying the bikes, maybe you're not. Uh, it's a bit, um, what's the word, iffy, isn't it, at this time of the year? I mean, it's iffy enough, to be fair, during TT. I think it's even more iffy at the moment, but fingers crossed they'll uh, get what they need to get done one way or another, whether you like it or not. I live on the course, so I get used to it, and I must admit I quite enjoy it in its own way, even though I've never ridden a motorbike in my life. But good luck to everyone. Let's just hope they get their racing in and have a safe racing that people can enjoy. 50 Reasons to Love Paris. We've been dipping in and out of this one, uh, oh, I don't know, for a wee while, really, on a sporadic basis. So I've been keeping it in the trusty music bag. And from it, I think we'll hear a bit of Django Reinhardt. <laughs> Thank you. 
Hmm. And that surprised you, didn't it? Yes, he did play the electric guitar later on in life. That was towards the end of his career, pretty much back in the early 50s. Django Reinhardt, best loved, perhaps, and known for his work with the Hot Club de France with Stefan Grappelli playing that wonderful swing guitar, which is infectious, it has to be said. But here, yeah, much more bop-influenced uh, in Paris. The home was sort of bop in many ways after the post-war. A lot of Americans round and bringing that sort of bop sound into the... French capital, Django Reinhardt and his orchestra with uh, some fine players as well, Hubert Foy on alto sax, uh, Django Reinhardt on electric guitar there, Pierre Michelot played with Dexter Gordon amongst others on the bass and uh, another Pierre, Pierre Lamarchand on the drums. January 1952 in Paris, a mere, what's that, 70 years ago? No, it can't be. Don't think about it. No, don't think about it. Sounds too modern for that, doesn't it? Lordy. Yeah, it's a really interesting box set. There's all sorts of stuff on it, which is probably why I keep it in the bag and keep dipping into it. It's like the gift that keeps on giving, as they say. Uh, This one hasn't been far off that mark either, actually. The world of Bing Crosby on the sentimental side. Lots of Bing, but singing some of the lesser-known songs, all in his beautifully sentimental... I mean, you can't think anything other than sentimentality with the likes of Perry or Bing, can you? Here he is on Jubilee. The Juba, 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 Jubilee The Juba, 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 Jubilee There's that melody Straight from Romany, where it jubilies like a jubilee. The juba 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 jubilee. The juba 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 jubilee. I'm with you tonight, finding new delight in the magic of a gypsy melody. And while we're dancing just a kiss apart I hear that rhythm in my heart The juba, 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 jubilee And you and you and you and you and I With a moon above Can't we fall in love To the music of the gypsy jubilee Dancing just a kiss apart I hear that rhythm in my heart The juba, 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 jubilee And you and you and you and you and I 
with the moon above can't we fall in love to the music of the gypsy jubilee 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 no doubting that one was called jubilee bing crosby of course on the sentimental side speaking of being on the sentimental side this might take you back a bit. memories back perhaps they do for me even that first one horsey horsey don't you stop i cannot be the only one to have heard that one sung to me numerous times when i was a young child and i think it's considerably older than i am probably going back i don't know where it goes back to beginning of the 20th century earlier certainly i think it was fairly old hat when it was sung to me in the early 60s horsey horsey don't you stop uh, played there of course by reginald dixon on the organ and then Afraid to Dream and Good Night to You All were the 
second and third parts of that little medley he put together. A bit like sort of Charlie Coons on the organ almost, isn't it? Uh, wonderful sounds from the wonderful world of Reginald Dixon. Uh, I'm assuming on the... Uh, on the organ at Blackpool. Just looking to see whether it actually specifies where the organ is, and it doesn't, as far as I can see. But at my best of my knowledge, he was best known for playing at the Blackpool. The Winter Gardens, what is in there with the organ in there? Wonderful player, and uh, great sound on that organ as well. Hope it brought back memories for you. Certainly made me smile, made me think of my grandmother, and yes, yes, all those wonderful memories you've stored from childhood, if you're lucky enough to have had a good childhood, which I was, it has to be said. Not always the case for uh, a lot of black musicians, of course, whether here or in the States over the years, but so many wonderful names, and uh, we like to think, at least, the situation is considerably better now than it was 50, 80, 100 years ago, although one suspects that uh, whilst things have improved dramatically, I suspect there are still problems here and there, but just made me think as I was looking through the racks and found this one amongst the collection, Black British Swing. Uh, England's own uh, jazz of the 1930s and 40s with some of the best-known black players around at the time who weren't that prevalent, perhaps, long before, as I said at the beginning, of the Windrush generation coming into Britain. So perhaps not as many black musicians as there were. They were around, but perhaps not as common. One of the best-known around the war years and coming in was the aforenamed and mentioned Ken Snakehips. Johnson, a wonderful character, has a reputation of being not only a very intelligent man, but also a very good-looking man, and a very generous uh, band leader and just generous human being from all accounts. He was Everywhere you read about him, he's seen as thoughtful to other artists, thoughtful to his musicians, thoughtful and would always have time for other people. It sounded like an all-round uh, really nice bloke. Started out as a student of uh, show business, inasmuch as he wanted to be a dancer. Yeah, he might have got that from his tag, Snake Hips. But it took him several years to actually sort of get on with that. He left school in the early 30s. He went back to British Guiana, where his father was, and his father was like Minister of Health out in British Guiana. And his dad wanted him to be a doctor. But Johnson wasn't going to have any of this. A man of his own, uh, of his own choice. He returned to England and studied law at London University. But then the lure of the jazz age... He liked all that music and the sound and the dancing and what. And he went to study tap dancing with Buddy Bradley and uh, doing some cabaret gigs to support himself. And then round about uh, before the war, 34, 35, he went to the States where he made a few Warner Brothers shorts on uh, dancing type films. You know, those wonderful little dancing films they had. He was good enough to be featured in some of those and uh, without a doubt picked up on some of the golden age of Afro-American dance activities and some of the top guys there did a lot of schmoozing around with a lot of the top dancers and jazzers at the time and sort of perfected that hip-swivelling dance derived from the famous Harlem to Hollywood dancer Earl Snake Hips Tucker and it's almost certain that's where he nicked the moniker from so instead of Earl Snake Hips Tucker we had Ken Snake Hips Johnson uh, also, probably, for an image, the immaculate image of the tails and whatever, looked a little bit to Cab Calloway as well, who was always immaculately turned out in white tucks and tails. Let's hear Ken with his West Indian dance band on Washington Squabble. <laughs> ¶¶ 
the wonderful Eddie Thompson, that's a sudden cut-off, <laughs> the wonderful Eddie Thompson trio, with the unforgettable 1982 concert. Unforgettable because it seems to be the only one that was recorded in 1982 when Eddie was very much at the peak of his powers. Uh, that seems to be the only concert that was recorded. So it is unforgettable because it's on record. And all the others, sadly, aren't. Unless you know otherwise. I bet there's a bootleg copy out there somewhere which will surface somewhere or sometime I guess in the future who knows Eddie a wonderful character fantastic knew all the songs and the standards and fantastic technique blind of course like greats like Art Tatum before him or George Shearing um, and as it says here no shrinking violet it was a great character and again one of the other handful of musicians we feature on Sweet and Swing that I actually met. He came over to the Alabama on at least one occasion, I think two or three, if memory serves correct, and normally stayed with us. And when I say us, I mean with the old maestro and my mum, who would uh, always cook them lovely meals, and Dad would sort them all out with pianos and everything else and put them up, and then they'd come and enjoy a meal with us beforehand, and after the meal, come after the gig, come back for a drink, etc., with some other jazzes occasionally. Wonderful memories, and uh, again, he was a lovely character. Um, I always remember him talking. He was a... As was mo most people then, smoking was more prevalent then. Don't take up smoking, children. Not good for your health. But Eddie liked his fags. And uh, yes, and you'd see him sort of light a fag. And then he'd always, I don't know how he didn't completely burn the skin off his fingers. Because he'd sort of quite often just, when he was in someone's house and everyone smoked indoors those days. And so yes, he'd be sitting at the table smoking away in the living room. And uh, obviously he didn't want to be dropping fag ash everywhere. And he couldn't see it. So he'd have an ashtray to hand. And then he'd sort of have the fag close to the ashtray and would just run his finger over the end of it all the time, over the hot end. You'd think he'd burn his finger from a penis, but it never seemed to affect him one way or another. And he had wonderful sorts of tales and a wicked sense of humour. He particularly enjoyed umpiring a cricket match, I remember him telling me one time. And he thought that was hilariously funny, asking a blind man to umpire a cricket match when all the players were sighted. <laughs> Appealed to his sense of humour. If you're wondering there where the guitar was, well, there wasn't one. It did sound remarkably, didn't it? Like in the solo there for Len Skeet on the bass, that there was someone strumming on the guitar. No, it was actually Eddie himself strumming on the piano strings behind Len's bass chorus. Fantastic, wasn't it? A really lovely, uh, lovely effect and uh, quite popular now. But yeah, that was Eddie doing it, what, 40-odd, 50 years ago. Uh, and to great effect, it has to be said. Sea Jam Blues, of course. Len Skeet on the bass and Jim Hall on the drums. Recorded, I see, at the Brentwood Lodge Hotel in Nottingham, May the 24th, 1982. Flanders and Swan, been enjoying dipping into their wonderful repertoire. I thought we'd, uh, we'd go for the third CD in the box set, The Bestery of Flanders and Swan. So things like Mud, Mud, Glorious Mud, very well known, but they did a whole load of animal songs. The Ostrich, the Wampom, the Elephant, the Armadillo, the Spider... I thought we'd feature two or three of those over the uh, coming weeks. Uh, starting off with the warthog, the hog beneath the skin, as it says. Hello, that's Donald Swan at the piano. I'm Michael Flanders. Some of you will remember our hippopotamus song, well, we've got a number of other songs about animals we've written that we'd like to sing for you. And first, we'd like to sing you... Um, what would you like to sing first, Don? My dear chap, do you think we could do the warthog? The warthog, what a oh, splendid, splendid idea. Yes. Chap, good. Yes, and this is uh, number one on the label, too. 
It's the rather sad story that has a happy ending of the hog beneath the skin. The jungle was giving a party, a post-hibernation ball. The ballroom was crowded with waltzing gazelles, gorillas and zebras and all. But who is that animal, almost in tears, pretending to powder her nose? A poor little warthog who sits by herself in a pink satin dress with blue bows. Again, she is nobody's choice. And she sings in a sad little voice. No one ever wants to court a warthog, though a warthog does her best. I've spent a lot of money for a warthog. I am kiss-proofed and prettily dressed. I've luster rinsed my hair, dabbed perfume here and there. My gums were tinted when I brushed my teeth. I'm young and in my prime, but a wallflower all the time, cause I'm a warthog, just a warthog, I'm a warthog underneath. Take your partners for a ladies, excuse me. Excited and radiant, she runs on the floor to join the furore and fuss. She taps on each shoulder and says, excuse me. And each couple replies, excuse us. Then having no manners at all, they sing as they dance round the hall. No one ever wants to court a warthog, though a warthog does her best. Her accessories are dazzling for a warthog. She is perfumed and daringly dressed. We know her these and those are like Marilyn Monroe's. Her gown is just a scintillating sheath. But she somehow fails to please. Cause everybody sees that she's a warthog. Just a warthog. She's a warthog underneath. Head hanging, she wanders away from the floor. This warthog whom nobody loves Then stops in amazement For there at the door Stands a gentleman warthog Impeccably dressed In the act of removing his gloves His fine and chiseled face Seems to frown As he looks her first up And then down I fancy you must be a sort of warthog Though for a warthog you look a mess. That makeup's far too heavy for a warthog. You could have chosen a more suitable dress. Did you have to dye your hair? If that's perfume, give me air. I strongly disapprove of scarlet teeth. But let us take the floor. Cause I'm absolutely sure that you're a warthog. Just a warthog. The sweetest little, neatest little, dearest and completest little warthog underneath. A sad start and a happy ending, I think. A okay, happy ending in any case. Flanders and Spawn in the studio. Unlike the previous two, which all recorded live in concert, of course, the bestry of Flanders and Swan, some well-known, some not well-known, or comparatively not well-known, 
in any case, I don't think I can remember the spider at all. Um, what else? The duckbill platypus? No, don't remember that. The ostrich? No, don't remember that either. No, we'll we'll dig out a few of those little gems over the next few weeks. Uh, did we do mud? I can't remember if we did mud, mud, glorious mud. We should do that at some stage. In any case, the hippo song. That's the one everyone knows. And the gnu, of course. I'm a gnu, spelt G-N-U. Yes, you know that one. That's a goodie as well. Maybe we'll dig that one out. Charlie Barnett coming up for you next. Uh, clap hands. Here comes Charlie. And he's knocking at the famous door. Knocking at that famous door, I think that was, wasn't it? Yeah, knocking at the famous door, indeed. Charlie Barnett and his orchestra. To double check there, I suddenly had a brain fade of what we were playing. Uh, a great swinger in the 
true sense of the word, and uh, great fun. A man who really enjoyed himself and his music from all accounts, and a fine player as well. Uh, one of the first to actually play with uh, as the first white band leader, bringing his orchestra to Harlem's famed Apollo Theatre. The audience there was both hip and tough, so um, it was a role reversal. It wouldn't be easy for a white guy to go in there and play. It was hard on black artists, as it felt, weren't up to par, so, as it says, you can imagine what would happen to a white act that wasn't taking care of the business. Barnett was not merely the first white band leader to play the Apollo, he returned many times over the years after he hit with Cherokee and then worked the entire black theatre circuit. Massive fan, of course, of Duke Ellington. Almost time to go. Um, probably best to leave you. Oh, this is an ideal one to live with you. I'm going to kiss myself goodbye. Well, I might not kiss myself goodbye, but uh, I suppose I'd better kiss you goodbye. <laughs> You rascal, you, you kind of think that you'll get by But by and by, you're gonna break right down and cry You'll cry and cry A good man's mighty hard to find Better hurry up and change your mind Before I hold me close, say farewell And kiss myself goodbye Goodbye, 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 goodbye and as Jack Cooper says, we are going to kiss each other goodbye. You can kiss yourself goodbye later if you like. Because that's about it for this week. But fear not, back same time, same place next week. Until then, mind the bikes. Keep smiling at the weather. I'll see you then. Cheerio. Thank you.